You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Leon and Liz here today. You (laughs) bet. Here we are. Holiday special, Yeah. Liam. Thanksgiving week, what are you up to? Are you yeah. traveling yeah. and driving? We want to know. We, we have a lot of information. I'm Leanne Dolan. Uh, I live here in Los Angeles. I live in Pasadena, actually. I'm a writer and producer. And uh, today on the show, I'm going to introduce you to one of my former neighbors. Oh, Who yes. is an Emmy Award-winning music composer. Oh, Liz. well, that's good. So right. that's his qualification just, for being a guest. Yeah, I, I saw him walking the dog, and I said, oh, my gosh, we need a guest. Can you come in? <laughs> Julie's then? not here. Can you come on in, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the last segment, we're going to be talking to Barton Davich, who, yes. you know, composed the music for ER. So I'm wow. Gonna, yeah. And okay. the award-winning composer. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. Today, I guess I'm the top sister. Top cause, sister. Because Julie's not here. Yep. I'm, I'm top for today. Uh, I live in Santa Monica, California. I am a, uh, a marketer, a podcaster, a dog lover. That's enough for today. Right. Yeah. yeah. So today on the show, we're also talking about your fantasy place to spend your holiday, either a Thanksgiving, a Hanukkah, a Christmas, a Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve. We asked the question on our Facebook group. Liz, we got some inspirational answers. Don't you think? So many. Yes. Like, really, there are, there were about, a dozen that I thought, oh, I have to do that one year. Right. And so, like, I hope I live long enough to do all of the great ideas that are posted in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. All right. We also have the top 10 places where people actually do spend the holidays. Mm-hmm. This is from data collected by the CASA. They're like a, a household rental agency. Oh, right. Yeah. So they actually, list. they did some research on where people have gone over the last three years. Research? Yeah. You imagine. mean they're not just saying whatever they think? Wow. No. That's, we're, that, that's very professional, Leanne. So that's what we're covering. So we hope that you are cooking or cleaning your house or setting the table or driving to the relatives and listening to the show. And it's a lot of fun for you. Over the river and through the woods. Exactly. Uh, So, well, first, I want to note that, Leanne, you are, for those those Dolans who live here in Southern California, you are usually the host of the Thanksgiving gathering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year... We, you even had a total out, you know, right. that because, you know, you've had surgery, you've had colon cancer. That is that that so, was going to be a legit a wrench. reason a not, <laughs> not to host Thanksgiving. But right. but you want us there. We want to be with you. So, right. so that is very nice. But, you know, in years past, my assignment for Thanksgiving, I, I try I don't, I'm not insulted by this, but I am always given tasks that require no cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, like on the cheap end, that would be like, could you bring the ice? Right. Which I'm good at. Uh, but on the expensive end, you know, my usual is like I go to the world's most gorgeous seafood store, is Santa Monica Seafood, and I just get dozens of shrimp. It's good. Because everyone in our family loves that as a first course for Thanksgiving. Yes, we get into all the usual stuff later on. You know, your turkeys, your sides. But, like, shrimp as a first course is kind of thing. But uh, I guess I always felt a little bit sheepish about it because it's sort of a no-cook thing and maybe not that Thanksgiving-y. However, I was, <laughs> I was walking through the store just last week, and there's a sign-up that said, Put in your orders now 
for shrimps giving. <laughs> so I just want to say I feel so much better, so much better that it's a real concept now. Instead of being the backup item for the sister who can't cook but will pay any amount of money, <laughs> it's now a thing, shrimps giving. So I, I will be covering Shrimpsgiving this week, and I'm so inspired now that it's the real concept. I think I'm going to add your crab claws, oh. your, a few other things. It'll yeah. be So now it'll be Shrimpsgiving. It goes beyond shrimp, of course. Shrimp is just the centerpiece. Right. Of, like the turkey would be the th- centerpiece of, of Thanksgiving. So, yeah, Shrimpsgiving <laughs> is my new favorite holiday, and I feel like I practically invented it. So you can look forward to that at your home on Thursday. Shrimpsgiving. Who thought that That's up? That's exciting. It's just genius. Yeah, it's great. Maybe it's because I'm a marketer. Yeah. When I see something <laughs> super simple like that, I was like, oh, somebody just had like a, a good day at work. They're like, you know what? We do peddle a lot of shrimp over the holidays, but we need to give it a concept. <laughs> we need to, how can we package this better? Shrimpsgiving. Genius. Well, Liz, one of the things I've always said about Thanksgiving is I love doing the cooking. Mm. So the cooking for me is the fun part. The hard part about hosting multiple people for Thanksgiving is the cleaning, the prep work, and then the post-op. That's a lot of work. Like the bathrooms, the floors, the silver. Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing a big old-fashioned Thanksgiving, the work is there. The cooking is actually the fun fun part And you're good at the cooking. So so this year, I've warned you, like it's going to be very low-key. I'm not bringing up – I have a lot of turkey paraphernalia. I have pilgrims. I have – Don't do it. Candlesticks. I have silver. If there was ever a year, Leon. We're not doing yeah. it. You're, You're going to get, get some the burlap, whole this year. some burlap, and some white dishes. Uh-huh. But I thought it would just be fun to all be together. It's a relatively small crew. Okay. And I have my son Colin as a sous chef. Oh. Now uh, it may surprise you. He's not. He he is. I think he is typical of his generation in that he doesn't actually cook that much. But he watches a lot of cooking shows. So it's given okay. him. <laughs> so he's seen enough YouTube yes. videos to have confidence. Yes. Yes. And so he is an interest level. He just doesn't necessarily have experience like or knife skills or anything like that. But but okay. so I said to Colin, listen, we want to do this. I want to try to cook. But can you be my sous chef? Because it's even hard. I'm still recovering from surgery. It's even hard for me to stand for long hours of time. Like, I can't be on my feet 12 hours a day cooking. And he said, no, no, I'll be your sous chef. And then good news. I got a text last week like, okay, I've watched all the Bon Appetit Thanksgiving videos on YouTube. I think I'm ready. And then he committed to cranberry sauce he feels Mm -hmm. he feels like he could try a cranberry sauce sure uh that's a good entry level it is Uh i don't yeah it's really not complicated but that's good i want him to actually master that yeah i know he's been making a lot of risotto so we may actually have sort of switch it up maybe have a risotto that's Uh and but there are other things he's ready to do so it's exciting that i'm really going to have some help in the kitchen okay which i appreciate now because you're still getting over colon surgery (laughs) are there items that you can't have this Thanksgiving that in your like food elimination diet that like will not be on the menu? You know, the traditional Thanksgiving foods actually line up pretty like mash pretty well. I mashed can have potatoes. mashed potatoes, <laughs> like a lot of refined carbohydrates. I'm in. <laughs> mashed potatoes, butternut squash, uh-huh. a little bit of turkey is okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's when st- food gets a little out there, like the Brussels sprout category, I'm out. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, too I, fibrous. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, any of those cruciferous vegetables, mm-hmm. that's a bridge too far for me right mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, I make the, the four onion gratin, the cream onions. Uh, I feel like so, so. What's the status? Of I the feel like onions? I will make it, but that's probably not something I'll eat this year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we introduced salad to the Dolan family Thanksgiving with much controversy about fifteen years ago. Yes, my while mother... our mother was still alive, she was outraged, outraged. that a green salad yeah. was appearing on a Thanksgiving table, and it's increased in popularity as if she was like a pilgrim yeah. or something. And... I know. <laughs> Had to go buy the book. So, yeah. So I won't, I can't eat the salad this year. Okay. No more salad. Uh, yeah. So some of the big questions of the shrimp, I can eat shrimp. Oh, good. What I have to watch is volume. Like oh. I'm just supposed to be eating small, okay. small portions of everything, uh-huh. you know, six small meals a day as yes. opposed to one giant Thanksgiving dinner. Uh-huh. So as you said last week, it, because it's like a mouse moving through a snake. Yes. So you just need to make sure that it's a very, a very small rodent right. moving through your snake. Right. Not some larger size. Yes. Yeah. So uh-huh. I just have to pick carefully. I have to uh, choose what I'm going to eat pretty pretty carefully and just to not overindulge. Also, I haven't been drinking alcohol, so mm-hmm. um, so that makes me sad. But <laughs> that, that's sad. So, How about wait if I if I add oysters to the shrimp's giving? No, you can't. No raw. No, no. no. First, okay. that's I, again probably not on any list, but just terrifying to me. So like cooked okay. cooked food is going to be better for me than not. Okay, cooked all right, food. okay, good. So that's it. But because there are no actual rules about shrimp's giving, no. I can pretty much <laughs> create my own rules. So good. There are no yeah. oysters this year for shrimp's giving. But I'm excited to have people and excited to do the cooking. I'm excited to be in the kitchen with Colin. I'm looking looking forward to it. So I think it'll be well anything that starts with shrimp and ends with pie. Yeah. That's a good meal, right? <laughs> That's a good meal. I ordered the pies, by the way. Oh, okay. We don't bake. Well, because well, I did have news about pies. Okay. About travel, traveling with pies. First, I do want to explain that, like, when we grew up, so there are eight kids in our family. Our mother had three sisters. They also had lots of kids. And Thanksgiving was always at our house. So because we had cousins in Massachusetts and cousins in New York, and we were in Connecticut, so we were in the middle. So everyone came to our house. So we do, in our family, have this expectation that it's a giant extravaganza. So it's hard for us to scale back. It is but hard. I'm proud of you, Leah. Thank if you. You're not, if you're not bringing up the pilgrims from yeah. the basement, if you're just going with, like, okay, good for you. So, but people do in our family usually make an effort to show up places for Thanksgiving. Not that we all have to be together. There's like a an Oregon group that will be together. There's an East Coast group. So when I saw this article in um, what's this? This was in the L.A. Times this weekend. Well, I especially thought of our mother, but like so many families travel for uh, for Thanksgiving, our our mother was famous for. Flying with food. Yes. You know, it's as if she believed that when she was living in Oregon and coming to visit us in Southern California, that like onions for your creamed onions could not be had for any price in Southern California. Yes. So she would travel with onions in her carry-on. Yeah. Or packages uh, of soup. Yes. (laughs) Soup mix. Yes. I mean, honestly. Yes. I mean, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There was the time, the famous time where she was busted at TSA for... Foil-wrapped chocolate turkeys because, of course, we had to have foil-wrapped chocolate turkeys, like, on the table. People know that about us now. But when you put that in your carry-on bag and it gets x-rayed, 
it, you know, it looks like hand grenades. Yes. And so you can't, I'm, I'm happy that the TSA even noticed right. that she had a dozen of these small round metal things in her bag. Yeah. So, uh, so we are, we always pay a lot of attention to the rules about what you can fly with and what you can't. So yeah, a lot of pate. She used to transport a lot of pate. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. So, but here's a, uh, so the TSA guidelines, um, Generally, what is cleared for takeoff in your carry-on? Well, because, of course, if you want to check it, you can check it. But who's going to check a pumpkin pie, right? right? Yeah, it's not. Some things you're either carrying or they're not coming. So, you know, they say turkey, dry stuffing, casseroles and desserts such as pies. You can, you can carry on all those things in theory. Uh, what's not is more than three and a half ounces of any liquid, which we know. So, like... How much gravy do you need? If you if your family only needs three and a half ounces of gravy, then yeah, you can bring it. But well, that's pretty lame, right? So you either need to check your gravy or make your gravy right. where you get where you're going. Um, but here's the, if you're trying to remember, thinking about like what are the rules? The general rule from the TSA says that if if you can quote spill it, spread it, spray it, pump it, or pour it, and it's more than three and a half ounces. It's got to be packed in your bag. No carrying on. Hmm. So just remember that. You can just chant that to yourself. Sprill it, spread it, pay it, pump it, or pour it. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Don't know, I don't know what some of those words were. Yeah. Okay. What, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Turkey. You can carry a turkey on. Now, they say cooking it ahead of time is the easier option, although you can take it uncooked if you follow the TSA's instructions about packing it in ice or frozen ice packs. I... I would just say from a food safety point of view, traveling with an uncooked turkey, I'm not for that. I'm not, like, again, but, but whatever. Those are the rules. Well, it takes like three or four days to actually unfreeze a turkey. Mm-hmm. Actually, it takes a while. So mm-hmm. you're, but, but <laughs> seems heavy. Seems yeah. very heavy. Yeah. Big frozen turkey. But remember, yeah. Well, when Julie lived in Thailand, but would come and we would be working together here in the United States, she would, on more than one occasion... She went to the Honey Baked Ham store in L.A. and bought two Honey Baked Hams to bring home to Bangkok yeah. because, surprise, surprise, she could not get a good Honey Baked Ham in Bangkok, Thailand. Yeah. So she would travel with two hams. Yeah. No, it so, can be you know, done. It's can all, be done. What, what are you up for? What are you up for? Anyway, so turkey, yes, you can carry on a turkey. Stuffing, yes, you can carry on stuffing, depending on its level of moistness, though. Because if it's too moist, then it sort of gets into a semi-liquid as far as the TSA See, that's a real food safety issue for me. Like yeah. the turkeys defrosting, but actual cooked stuffing, that seems nuts to <laughs> carry on. Okay. I'm just telling you what the rules right. are. Okay. Next is cranberry sauce. Obviously, your son will not be traveling nope. with cranberry sauce. He's going to make that at home. Uh, your beloved cranberry sauce can be transported in your carry-on. Again, three and a half ounces. I'm just asking you. What kind of group are you eating right. with that you, three and a half ounces of cranberry sauce is going to be enough? That is not enough. So don't don't bother. Uh, but the best news is TSA wants everyone to know pumpkin pie, total green light. Really? You can pack it as a carry-on or in checked luggage. Again, as I previously mentioned, uh, don't check a pie. That's, <laughs> that just seems, that seems like, no, that's, that's not worth it. Uh, but they do note in this article, if you're traveling with a pumpkin pie, in case your flight is delayed, keep a fork handy. 
because it's a good kind of <laughs> good one. Emergency snackage good on joke. your way on your way to grandmother's house. Yes. So good there joke. you go. That will be a there will be a link to that in the show notes if you would like to review the TSA regulations about traveling with That's food. That's news you can use. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about your favorite places to spend the holidays. Some great spots all over the world. But first, we would like to thank a couple of our sponsors here at Satellite Sisters. Hey, it's Liz and Leon here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting <laughs> rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair mm-hmm. because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. All right, we're back. Okay, now we we posed a really fun question at the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And Mm -hmm. if you're not a member of our Facebook group, come on in and join. It is a private group, so you do have to ask to join and then answer a couple of simple questions. And then uh, in general, it's for listeners of the podcast. So if you regularly listen to the podcast, it's not an issue. And uh, so um, we asked... What was the best place that you've ever spent a holiday that was not your home? It's mm-hmm. not that your home isn't mm-hmm. great. I just, I know people are going to say, I love spending the holidays at home, which yeah, is great. We all do. We mm-hmm. were looking for a sort of an exotic location or a wintry location or an unexpected location. And if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't really managed to get away, what was your fantasy location? Mm-hmm. And I was just so happy to see the wide range of answers. Liz, do you remember where your favorite vacations were, Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. There were there was one Thanksgiving where I just went with a friend to Santa Fe and that popped up a lot on the list in our Facebook group. Santa Fe is such a beautiful place. It's gorgeous at Thanksgiving just because everything is decorated for the holidays already. So so I really loved that. I was trying to think, why would I have just gone away for Thanksgiving with a friend and not? What, where was the family that year? Why did I decide? Whatever. <laughs> I have no recollection of why I was not at home. Uh, and then another time for work, I was in Australia 
that week. Oh, uh, because guess what? Thanksgiving isn't celebrated yeah. in the in the rest uh, of the world. But friends of mine, who it's a co- a mixed couple, Australian and American mix, uh, they hosted a big Thanksgiving dinner in Sydney. So the guests were international from all over, and a couple of Americans, and that was super fun. It was, you know, it's a little bit harder to procure some of the foods you want in other countries. Julie always had a hard time with this when she lived in Thailand trying to get like butternut squash yeah. and stuff. But Sydney is a great city. Sometimes being in a place, celebrating a holiday in a place where they're not celebrating that holiday holiday is also kind of fun. So uh, I enjoyed that a lot. So how about you? I was to give some of our family Thanksgivings. Remember when I first moved to Jackson, Wyoming, I lived there for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the family came out. I had rented like a big log cabin for everyone. I remember. Remember there was such a snowy, wintry Christmas and Uh it was just really unexpected. And like we, my friend and I went out into the national forest and cut down the Christmas tree and dragged it back to the house and set it up for everybody. And people skied and there was hot cider. I yeah. thought Jackson I just, yeah. is so I just remember being beautiful. in the kitchen of that. It yeah. was a big, it was really a big nice house. Thing. Yeah. So we were cooking a lot, all of our meals mm-hmm. at home and looking out the window and seeing my first moose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, know? that was, I thought, a really, a really fun place to spend, uh, to spend the holidays. It was just so super Christmassy. Which which I like. So uh, that's one that sticks out. Also, Park City, Utah is a very beautiful place, and mm-hmm. we spent some good Christmases we at did. Park City. So, um, and th- that made a lot of people's lists yes. as well. well. One time, I spent Christmas in Chiang Rai, Thailand, and it was funny because the Thais, you know, they had all these international visitors in the hotel, but they were trying to celebrate Christmas. But Christmas is not that big a deal in Thailand. In a Buddhist like it, country. It's yeah. not really their holiday. So I think they associate it just with America because the whole Christmas dinner and music and costuming was country western, Leon. So they had they had a country western band. We all got bandanas. Oh yeah. It was kind of a square dancey, country westerny kind of celebration. Yeah. And that was close enough to Christmas for them. Okay. So we were it was unexpected and uh we really had a good time. All right, so Liz, you did some deep analysis of where the Satellite Sisterhood wants to spend their holidays, and you came up with three general areas where people seem to be responding. Yeah, when people made their comments about why a Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's was particularly memorable— uh, the first is that it was a real adventure. You know, they went someplace that was, you know, unexpected, that they had never been before. Like the year we spent New Year's in the Galapagos. Right. 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 Like true, true yeah. adventure. Right. So the holidays, because people have longer time, it's a good time to knock off one of those big adventure things that might be on your family list. So that was number one. There were a lot of adventures. Number two was just the flipping of the seasons. So if you live in a cold place, if you live in New England, then Christmas in Hawaii is awesome. <laughs> so there's a lot of like Miami and Maui. Right. And, you know, so or but th- the converse is true, too. If you live in a warm, sunny place like Southern California, then going someplace cold and snowy, you know, you're going to the Canadian Rockies or you're out camping somewhere in a in a state park. A lot of people doing that. National A lot parks. of people doing that. Yeah. So the flipping of the seasons seems to add to the fun. And then the last thing I noticed was uh, what I'll just call 
generational transition. If it's in a year, both Joanne and Judy, and there were a few others too, that that remarked that their very memorable Christmas was the year after their parents had died or they lost a parent. And so I think those years where you realize, oh, like, we're the generation that has to step up now when you've lost right. your parents. Right. It becomes important to be together, even more important than it usually is. And it seems like a time where people want to do something special just to kind of stay connected, reconnected to each other. So any kind of generational transition seemed to spark some extra thinking about, let's really do something special this year. So those are my trends, Leanne. Okay. All right. Here are the places that people mentioned that caught my eye because they're on my list. First, there was a whole thread of Satellite Sisters who had spent Christmas or holidays at the Christmas markets in Europe. So these are places in France, in Germany, uh, Vienna, where they hold these special Christmas markets outside where they sell things and you can eat hot cocoa and there are lights and carolers. Honestly, it sounds so great to me. I've wanted to go to these Christmas markets really? forever. Well, you love decorations. I love decorations. I just I just think it sounds magical. The key to remember about the Christmas markets is they're actually closed like Christmas Day. Yeah. Like you got to go before Christmas because I was actually seriously looking like maybe this year we should go to Munich for Christmas, to the Christmas markets. There's so many in that, but you know, southern Germany. Uh-huh. Oh, no, they're all closed like the 23rd, 24th, 20th. Oh. So – You have to go ahead of time, but Susan was out there. She said it was amongst her best. Magical. Mary Beth seconded that. Christmas market in Vienna. We had Merlene, the markets in Cologne. She said it was great. Uh, Raving about the hot glue vine. You know, sure. sure. Can't go wrong with that. Great. So that's definitely on my list of something I would love to do. We had a couple people single out just how great England was to spend Christmas. Uh We had some small town believers. We had the London believers. That is another place in my fantasy I was searching. Well, maybe we'll go to London this year. Not going to happen for a bunch of reasons, but I think a Christmas in England also sounds great. Uh There's Boxing Day. And then I also know there's like 8 million Premier League matches on the 26th. So it would be be of interest to my husband and son. So there's some sporting that can happen. Yeah. I liked the upended holidays, the flip. Uh Several people mentioned Key West, including my friend Mike, who Uh I went to, you know, kindergarten with. Uh, So um, I have never been to Key West, but I do think I romanticize about what it's like. So I think that would be fun to spend a holiday in Key West. Uh, And then um, the other one that has caught my eye and I've seen in several articles lately is Quebec City. Oh. Because... Have you ever been there? Yeah. Remember? Well, we went in eighth grade in French class in Connecticut. (laughs) That was our big... That's true. Because you could drive there. You could drive. Because our big, like, French field trip was Quebec and Montreal. and Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. But that's the last time. But I remember Quebec City being just beautiful and charming and gorgeous and cold. And I've seen several travel articles and then several people on the Satellite Sisters Facebook page mentioned it. So that Uh seemed like a good spot. Okay. Well, here are a few that I picked out. Uh, Jocelyn and Allison both mentioned Yosemite. Mm-hmm. And just in general, a lot of you are going to national parks over the holidays, which which I like. But Yosemite, 
I have never been to Yosemite. And they say it's just amazing over the holiday season. Now, Jocelyn, I think, rented a cabin. Others of you who posted it, you're at the big fancy Awani. Right. That's probably where I would want right. to be. Could exactly. I get into the Awani? Yes. I think, I think so. I think, and that's supposed to be just amazing. Right. But you have to make your reservations like on exactly the day they open the reservations. Mm-hmm. So I would like to try uh, Yosemite. Chris went to Lake Tahoe nearby. I would like to try that. And Jenny mentioned that her family uh, enjoys the renting of the cabin in state parks. And she said, we, you know, we get snowed in, we hike, we see bald eagles. She even posted a good photo of her, her daughter by the fireplace in the cabin oh, that they rented. So, yeah, cozy cabin. That sounds good. So all of that is good. I want to give extra points for originality to Julie because they spend Thanksgiving, Leanne, on the Washington State Ferry. So, you know, the the ferry goes out from Seattle out to the islands and then turns around and comes back in. They stay on the whole time. You're supposed to, like, normally people take the ferry out and then you get off somewhere. Yeah. No, not not Julie's. This is a fantastic plan. Not Julie's family. They pack up their whole Thanksgiving dinner. They take the ferry out. Everybody else gets off. A few people get on, but not that many. And then on the way back, they have their, like, a picnic Thanksgiving dinner on the Washington State Ferry. Oh, wow. I love that And if that you've idea. ever been there in Puget Sound and that whole area, um, the mountains and the water, it's just a gorgeous place on Earth. So like, just Thanksgiving dinner on the ferry boat yeah. would not have thought of that. A lot of other people mentioned cruises of various kinds, right. also good. but Because women like to not cook and not clean over the yeah. holidays. That <laughs> feels like a real vacation. Mm-hmm. Like you love doing it, but every once in a while... Really great not to. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah. this is a little bit of extra effort to bring your own picnic Thanksgiving dinner to a ferry boat, but it just sounds super fun. So I wanted to give her points for okay. originality. There was someone who said they were at like Tokyo Disneyland and they just had one of the big turkey legs, and that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> something like that all right also amy gave a very sweet answer she said the best place i've ever spent thanksgiving was at a neighbor's house we were strangers and my husband and i were newly stationed in north carolina and he was deploying to the middle east she was 19 and trying to make her own turkey and she ran out of gas for the stove and her neighbor saw her in the backyard crying oh no amy and said come on over and it's been a lifelong friendship it's really? lasted 30 years. Yeah. That's how they met? Yep. She's now 52. They're in their 80s, the neighbors, and they're as close as families. So there you go. That was a great story, Amy. All right. From Vecasa, the uh, rental agency yeah. that you can go to, here mm-hmm. are the top 10 places people over the last couple of years have actually rented cabins. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are on our list, like Arrowhead, California. Yeah. Warren, I've, I've never been there. Yeah. I got to go there. Warren, Vermont. Uh-huh. Oh, I've been there. San Diego, California. You want the You flipper? can never go wrong yep. in San Diego. Breckenridge, Colorado is a super charming winter spot. New Orleans, Louisiana. Where, That's where, where Julia, Julia is, is right now as you are listening to us. Who doesn't love Maui, Hawaii? Yeah. Okay, this one, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, Sevierville, Tennessee. Or it's probably pronounced Serverville. It's right there at the base of the Great Smoky Mountains. Oh, wow. Liz, okay. there you go. Smoky Mountain Christmas for you. <laughs> I would not have thought of that. Okay. Kissimmee, Florida, near Disney. Yeah. Lakeside, Montana. That sounds beautiful up there. Mineral, Virginia is supposed to be a tiny, magical, beautiful little place near Fredericksburg. Uh, And those are the top 10. Wow. Thank you, uh, Vecasa, for providing that list. 
I like the fact that people really make an effort to try to make these holidays special. And sometimes that means staying home and sort of bunking in. And other times it means like going out and trying something brand new. Yeah, really, I really, like really it. fun. I like it. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. We're going to take a break. We're going to thank our sponsors. And then we'll be back with composer Martin Davich. Stay with us. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. We're the Satellite Sisters, and we're back. And it's really always fun to have a guest in the studio, but it particularly when it's your neighbor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what holidays are for. <laughs> I am so happy to have Marty Davich here. Do you go by Martin professionally? So... I go by Martin professionally yeah. because it looks better on the screen. But okay. in fact, my, you call me Marty. It's okay. just fine. <laughs> Did you hear that, people? Looks better on the screen. That's because Marty is an Emmy Award-winning composer who scored some of our favorite TV shows like mm. ER, oh my God. Southland, which yes. I still mourn, The Loss of Southland. Yes. That was an unbelievable show. Days of Our Lives, which uh -huh. I can't imagine the how hard it is to score uh, something that happens seven days a week. So we're going to talk <laughs> to you about that. But now you're a teacher and you're here because you have your first album out after 40 years in the business. This is correct. Yeah. So did you always want to be a composer? Because that seems like a giant word for someone who, I don't know, plays a little piano. <laughs> That's very funny. You know, it hit me. The com composition bug hit me after the piano bug. I started playing piano very young. Um, now I'm kind of a bit of an old guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, but I started playing piano when I, when I was about four or five, uh -huh. started taking lessons when I was five. Um, I was not Mozart, but I was, I was born with some talent. So I was drawn to it and I took to it pretty quickly. Um, believe it or not, Liberace really impressed me on the piano. I don't know if it was the 
the candlesticks at the side of the piano or his talent, I'm not quite sure, or the sequin jackets, but it all caught my attention. But I thought he was impressive. I wanted to play as well as he did. And then it was Van Cliburn, which is a little better role model for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of composition, it was when I was old enough, and that was in my teens, to really be moved by a piece of music. And mm-hmm. I remember that feeling. And for me, it was a, a songwriter named Jimmy Webb. Okay. Who you guys may remember. I'm well, he's written a million hits. Uh, I, I can't name it's one like of a, them it's right It's like now. a well, name I know, but not songs yeah. I know. Well, MacArthur Park, Okay. Oh. he blew everybody out of the water with that. It was the, like a five-minute thing with this big instrumental. But it was a series of songs that he did that Glenn Campbell sang by the time I get to Phoenix. Oh, that's and a good And all song. these songs. But every one of them just kind of, we'll get into this conversation about what music how music impacts the soul yeah. and um every one of them just kind of moved me and i said oh my god i want to i want to do that and it it's just kind of became a thing with me and i started sitting at the piano and it's, and i had been playing piano and studying classical music since i was a child and i started drifting from from my lessons to trying to figure out how to write this stuff and how to make this stuff happen and so the transition started when I was a teenager. How do you get into scoring? Because that seems like a really small world. I, yeah, I wish I could tell you. Yeah, some of it's a little bit of luck, <laughs> a lot was, of talent, luck. Um, right place, right time. Right. So if you want to know how I got into yeah, it. Yeah, yes. In partic- particularly for me, it was a heck of a lot of luck. Now, I worked a lot as a piano player and as a conductor because of, the skill set I had developed over the years. And I was playing for an artist uh, named Anthony Newley, who was a Broadway. Sure. I sure. love that. I love this guy. He was <laughs> a wonderful man to work for a big heart. This big, big Broadway personality. Voice. Yeah. 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 Rah, yeah. Know, big voice. <laughs> but, but we were playing there and, uh, an actress from days of our lives was in the audience, they came up to me and said, man, I really could use an accompanist on the show. And I said, I'm sorry, soap operas. I don't think so. She said, but it pays three fifty a day. I said, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm your guy. <laughs> I am inspired now. <laughs> so I started, and then they said, you know what, we really need a composer for the show. And so I started, that's where I learned. They hired me, this was in like 1980, and we need a sad cue, we need a this cue, we need a that cue, and that... In soap operas, you don't write music for every scene, for every show. You write a library, and they it's called oh, got needle it. drop. Okay. Uh-huh. Back from the days when they would drop, literally drop the needle on, on a record. Yeah. yeah, that's what they did back then. And that was, a, that was after they used to use it on organ. Somebody would play an organ cue yeah. live in the studio. So I, I learned to write all these things, and, um, you know... And I got a random opportunity to work on um, Beverly Hills 90210, which happened in 93. One of the greatest TV shows of all time. <laughs> it was the first one, by the way. The first one. <laughs> I know. That <laughs> was a great TV show. <laughs> With the great cast. Yes. My gosh. <laughs> Shannon Doherty <laughs> yeah. and all those guys. You oh, can't, my gosh. It. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lot of luck. And what I tell my students is the other thing, when somebody says, Here's the bat kid. What do you got? Yeah. You have to be ready. Yeah. And what I was was ready. Oh, that kind of gives me chills when you say that. 
Yeah. I was scared. My, I was tied up in knots for the first year. I was so scared, but um, I can tell you, um, when ER came along, uh, my friend James Newton Howard, who's a one of the top, yeah, yeah he's he's, a, he's, he's a as big good man. as anybody. Yes. He's, you know, my favorite composer. Um, but he's been my buddy for years, and he said, Marty, I want you to do the show with me. And then he said, you know, Steven Spielberg's a producer, and Michael Crichton's a producer, and John Wells, who had just done a bunch of shows. And I said, oh, I don't know if I'm your guy. <laughs> he said, get off your ass. I'm <laughs> That's sorry. good. You need a friend like that. <laughs> and do this. So I did. And then at that time, I wrote this first episode, and I walked in to the producers with a cassette tape. Yeah, and great. Then, and then um, and a videotape, and I pushed two buttons and, and together. So high tech. That's how we synced them up at that time. <laughs> and I, dem- I demoed the first, the first show, and they liked it, and they hired me. And the first year, I was certain that this episode was my last episode, but it, it really worked out great. I was working with wonderful people, and it worked out. Well, that's about the time you moved. I I moved into your neighborhood, and you took over a house down the street from us as your studio. That's true. I I think of that as the music factory. I mean, <laughs> you literally like pumping out music like twenty four seven. People were in and out of there. You were that was constant work. That was the time of my life. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's cool because it was such a launching pad for me. You right. know, I was so lucky for so long. Um. And, you know, so a lot, a lot of things came my way because of that show. I was very lucky. Can I just ask one process thing about how you score a TV show like that? So the beginning of ER, that, do they give you a finished episode and then you just write music for certain cues that they've asked for or exact, what? So how does it happen? Yeah. How do we do this? Uh-huh. First of all, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about if you want to because <laughs> the creative process to me mystifies me but there's the mechanical let's there's two aspects so there's the mechanical aspect of what i do so when i go to score a show i first of all i watch the episode first so i i know who's gonna die in I, a I horrible death happens, on er <laughs> and I, i'm and i'm looking and 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 they'll do the show and the the film editor will put a cue it's called the temp score temporary score They'll put a cue where the director thinks there should be a cue so that we have an idea what they're looking for. And, and so, cue means put music a, here. A, a piece of, mm-hmm. thank you, a piece mm-hmm. of music that represents the emotion that they're basically going for. Got so it. they're kind of laying down, this is what we're looking for, Marty. So, and then I watch it, and then we go and we spot the show. Spotting means you're looking for the spot where the music comes in. So we watch it together, and they'll say, you know, I need more. I need less. Um, and ER was very it was a show where we did not milk the emotion. We let they let the actors act and the directors direct, and and I just supported it. Uh-huh. I was never a, an, you know what I mean, a sappy emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd watch it, and and there'll be a conversation, and I'll I'll try to get as much information from the director as I can. But what I'm looking for is. I mean, the words are there, the picture is there, music is trying to provide the emotional context of 
I'm looking in the guy's eyes who's talking. I'm trying to see. Mm-hmm. I want to provide the humanity in the scene. You know, mm. what, what's not seen, what's mm. not on the screen, you know. And, and if you can do that, you complete the story to me, you know. And when it all works right, it's, it's, it's fabulous. Now, how, how is it possible that you had never written an album then until now? Like, I mean, that's... <laughs> You were doing that on a daily basis for I was decades. Doing and for so, decades. Yeah. And you know what? I was writing so much. It's like Betty Crocker probably doesn't come home and bake a cake. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a good point. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there, there was that. And there was I'm, – I'm always at the studio writing. And I'll tell you how this happened. I um, – did a project with a soprano who I accidentally met from Germany a couple of years ago, and we did a little concert. And in that concert, she had a wonderful violinist working for her, and I asked if I could just write a little duet for the piano and the violin. I wrote it. We played it in the concert, and my agent came up to me and said, all that stuff with the soprano was great, but I love that little piano piece. And it was just, it was music that I don't think that I wrote that I never thought anybody would like. It's like from that little hidden part of me, mm-hmm. it's kind of semi-classical, Eric Satie kind of, who's going to want to listen to this, was always in my mind. And she said, that was the most interesting thing. And write some more stuff like that. Wow. Do an album. And I said, you're crazy. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And I just said it. You know, it was that. And... Everything I've written for a TV show is for a work for, it's called a work for hire. Right. You're paid to right. do this according to someone else's wishes. Um, you go in there and you put as much of yourself into it as you can, but ultimately it's their work and their, according to their design. I wanted to write something that I wanted to write and I wanted to have, it's a little bit of a legacy project mm-hmm. for me in a sense. I wanted something of mine hanging around that wasn't on a piece of, old tape turning to dust in a vault right. in the Warner Brothers. Yeah. By the way, that's happening. Oh, they yeah. haven't converted everything. And a, oh. lot of, a lot of shows, and I know for a fact, oh, oh, these things are just kind of, a lot yeah. of them are just kind of... Literally disintegrating. Turning to dust, yeah. So was it hard then to write an album, like, so from scratch? I'm After years of working in a different way, or were you just ready? I was so ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's an interesting thing, because it's different, because when I'm... When I'm working to film, all my inspiration is is right there. You know, I right. take it, it feeds me. This is it's it's emotional work, but it's really it's based on a music. It's based on a musical phrase. So so I'll go in. I work very intuitively. I my first process on anything I do musically is without without thought, without too much thought. I, I if I if I work to film That's right. the way we do this. Yeah. Too. <laughs> how's, it, how's it worked out? So far so okay. good. 20, I mean, have, 20 years. We have some misses, but you know. I like the creative first and the analytical second. Yeah. Uh-huh. Otherwise I get in my own way and I don't come right. up with the goods. Right. And so that's the way I that's kind of just the way I have to work. It's the way I've always worked. I know people who are with whom for whom those things are much tight, more tightly 
woven and they get things done much more quickly. For me, that's not the way it is. But I, I just enjoy allowing the ideas to come. And I'll sit down and I'll push record and I'll go. And somewhere between the beginning and the end, there's a little gem that comes up and that'll inform the rest of what I need. So... um Music is just such magic to me. Right. I think because I can't imagine doing it myself. You know, I don't have little phrases of music in my head. I don't, I'm sure, I, I think if I tried to do something intuitively, mm, it's not really my language, Marty. You know, like I can. You I can produce like the national anthem or something. Yes, right. You know what I mean? You couldn't get that. Yeah, it would have to be about something <laughs> and I could have some information I was trying to communicate. Yeah, are you so, a, you're a writer. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a marketer, and in the context of all the marketing work, I've I've written a lot. We write obviously we write some of our material for this. I'm more of a speaker and a organizer of thoughts I than just, I am an organizer of fe- let's just say feelings. feelings. Maybe that's what I don't do so much. <laughs> feelings. <laughs> and just, music has to just be so felt. I just think it comes out in different ways. I could not paint my way out of a paper bag. Yeah, and I've tried to paint my way out of a paper bag, <laughs> but I mean seriously, I once got an easel and some paints, and I said, "Let's go," uh, and nothing, <laughs> nothing. That's yeah. fascinating. And there are people, right? You know, it's just who the, are intuitive that way. Yeah, absolutely, and and I I think it's fascinating, um, but for me, it's so much just about communicating feelings. Yeah. 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 So you called the album The Conversation, right. which is a good one for Satellite Sisters. Mm-hmm. Liz, you always like to cite our motto, but right. go for it. Say it Not again. every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can, Marty. So we believe in conversation. And wh- so why did that title speak to you? The piece uh, for which that was titled is just, um, well, I like conversations, first of all, like you guys. Uh-huh. Um I like the give and take. Uh, you're not, you know, something, something's going to come of that, whether, whether, and not necessarily what you intended at all, but something is going to come of the friction and the release of any conversation. Mm-hmm. But the, in particular, this, this piece just had, it started off with, basically it sounded like a conversation when I got through writing it because it was the way I, it was a, a musical I'm not. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying anything yet. Can you hum it? Can you... <laughs> it was a bunch of musical phrases that yeah. were just talking to each other throughout okay. the thing, and I said, "Well, this is a conversation." And as it went along, it resolved, and there was more tension, and it resolved, and then it it was a lovely conversation. Okay. So I call it the conversation, and I like that title for the album as well. It just it was it was interesting enough to deserve a place on the front of the album. Did you have fun doing this? I had a great time. Okay. Doing this. Sometimes it can be stressful when, like, oh yeah, you should write this oh, thing. Oh, it but... was it was absolutely indulgent, and just <laughs> just what I needed to do. And then, I not when I finished the album, I hired an orchestra and I did a, I did a performance of the whole thing as well. Oh, you did. That I, must I, have I been did. thrilling. And that was thrilling to get on stage with, with the string section and the brass section and everybody behind me, was really was really great. And it's, I, I feel like that's what I need for my next book tour is an orchestra behind me. <laughs> okay, that's an excellent idea. It would make your entrance much yeah. more significant. <laughs> uh, you know, so you can find the conversation, Martin Davich, at any digital platform. You right. can find it anywhere. And you're actually putting together a Satellite Sisters 
holiday conversation playlist for us that people can find at Spotify with some of the cuts from your album and then other holiday songs that you think work well with your stuff. That's correct. Just music that I think will be enjoyable and hopefully good for your heart at this time of year. Yeah. Good you for know your what? heart. We That's need nice. that. We all we, need that. We absolutely need that. What are, what are you and your that. family doing for the holidays? You know, for the first time, we're staying put. Oh, wow. And, and I know. Figure that. Go figure. And it's so nice. Traveling during the holidays can be a bit stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can vouch for that. We're staying home and just enjoying each other without all the hubbub. And we always travel and we're not traveling. So okay. We're doing we're home for the holidays. That Does, sounds nice. That, yeah. Do you actually do? Well, I know your son is a musician. Do the other kids play? Like, do you, after dinner, is it is it the, after dinner, the Marty and Jacob hour? It's the Mar- <laughs> Marty and Jacob show after okay. dinner for sure. Oh, that's uh, cool. That w- sounds fun. Oh, we did it for years. We had a place in Telluride, Colorado. Right. We used to go up. And we've, that's <laughs> Is that not your happening. phone, Marty? That's not happening. We I fi- think it's Spielberg. Spielberg. We finally, uh, shame on me. We finally, um, we finally sold the house, so we're not up in Telluride anymore. Okay. But we would always get together and, and start with Christmas carols, but then it would just go crazy to whatever we felt, anybody felt like singing or doing. And, um, it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds fun. Again, we have no musical no talent skills. in our family. No, so. no skills. <laughs> yeah. But our next generation does. We yes. have a lot of, right. you know. Singer, songwriters. Millennials who are very expressive musically. Yeah, so, it makes for a lot of fun. So thank goodness. So who do, who, who do you like to listen to? Who's your... Who's the perennial favorite? Who has to be played at Christmas time? I love that Wynton Marsalis Christmas album. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful album. And then, be, and then, yeah, I think that's it. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then well, the Luciano Pavarotti "Oh Holy Night." <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. That's yeah. a winner. And then you got to go with the boss. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> okay. there, there's, there's some old fifty stuff that's great. There's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I enjoy it. And then I like that Joni Mitchell song, The River, has the river. become a Christmas song. I was just listening to that this weekend, as a matter of fact, as I was walking my dog, listening to that whole album. Yeah. Joni Mitchell. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she is amazing. Still amazing. She's amazing. So I'm really looking forward to the Satellite Sisters Holiday Conversation playlist on Spotify. You can find so, it. Sure. Yes. Great. That'll, that'll be great. Marty, thank you so much for coming in. We uh, enjoyed this conversation about the conversation. Best of luck on the album. It's exciting. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. Very inspirational. We all have things we want to express. So how wonderful that you have found a way to express your own things. Thank Thanks. You. That was fantastic to hear about that process. I know. It's just amazing to me. I love to hear people talk about what form their own creativity takes. Because we all have something, you know, we've been talking about this a lot lately on the show, like we all have some creative impulse and we just express it in different ways to, but to build your whole career on doing the kind of very specialized work in music that he did. It's amazing. Right. And he was the hardest working man in Hollywood. I mean, mm-hmm. I know because the studio was right down the street. We'd see him working day and night. Mm-hmm. So I know he said he had a lot of good luck, but I, like, you know, as our mother always used to say, you make your own good luck. Yes. Like he, he earned a lot of that. So that was fun to see. I'm going to go watch some more. Go back to ER. It's right. on Hulu. FYI. Oh. Yeah. If you want, so if you want to go back and watch that first episode, the premiere of ER, to hear like his first try at that, that would be kind of interesting. Right. It would be great, totally actually, that. now that you now that you understand he was really trying to under undersell, underplay the music, yeah. just just yeah. support the, right. support the drama. Right. Right. Yeah. The humanity. He brings the humanity. I know. 
It's a amazing. nice guy, too. All right. Yeah. A lot of humanity there. We are going to actually close the show if you want to hear um, an, a cutoff of uh, Marty's album, Paris Stroll. That's going to be the music playing under us as we say goodbye. And then look for that list on Spotify, the Satellite Sisters Holiday Conversation. Mm-hmm. It'll be some of Marty's songs and then some of the other holiday faves that he loves. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Uh, Liz, we want to thank our sponsors for this week's Satellite Sisters. We always want to thank Sergio Enriquez for making us sound great. Special thanks to the team at Wondry. Listen, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah, enjoy. Safe, safe travels. Enjoy. Good luck with your turkey. Don't burn your house down if you're frying. Be kind to yourself and your family. <laughs> right. <laughs> think about other things to talk about other than grim things. You could talk about this fascinating interview you just heard with a, yes. a composer who scored ER. There yes. you go. And then the whole family can gather around the TV and watch the first 10 seasons. <laughs> All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.